Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Discover the power within Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions with your host, Reverend Paul John Roach. So hello and welcome to World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Network. I am your host, Paul John Roach, and I'm coming to you from a sultry day in Fort Worth, Texas. Summer has finally come. It's 97 degrees here. We're trying to stay cool, but, you know, we can't complain. Um, life is good, yes? We're, we're alive. We're kicking. Uh, we're, we're doing well. So uh, we, we're we're blessed and grateful for everything that comes to us in this uh, in this manifestation. Today, I welcome back to the show uh, Richard Anderson. He's the author of Mind Spirit Detox. And he's a fully accredited management leadership and life coach. He has a background in economics, accountancy, and senior management in the UK public sector and he's also uh, had the honor of winning uh, awards in his field he's really at the top of his game um, it's uh, he's always passionate about um, an evolved uh, leadership practice and he's written a powerful book to that effect and that subject entitled transcendent leadership the eight dimensions of awakened leadership practice. So it's a joy as always to welcome Richard to today's show. Glad you're with us. Welcome. Thank you, Paul. Uh, always absolutely wonderful to connect with you. Very excited. I know when you first got involved with, uh, you know, awakening uh, uh, an enlightenment through through that awakened awareness uh, with uh, Arjuna Ardak, right, in the uh, a British guy who now lives in California, but but you've taken this to another level, and now now you you're uh, producing your own system. Really, they called the, you know the transcendent leadership ideas, and it's a fascinating book. That's that's the first thing I want to say. It's uh, it's chock full of um, information, and it's it's very honest. Um, Richard, you tell a lot about your own story and life and examples. Uh, you know, of how you've transcended, if you like, and how you've applied these principles, uh, these dimensions in your own life uh, and seen the, the fact that they, they work, right? And really the proof of the pudding, um, you know, is in the eating of it, isn't it? Is in the actual, is it going to work for you? And uh, in your life, it's an emphatic yes, correct? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I, I owe a debt of gratitude to you, actually, for putting me on to Arjuna Arda through through this very show. Um, I mean, actually, you, you talk about the heat in 
uh, in, in Fort Worth at the moment. I, th- this journey started for me actually because my my wife is from Paraguay, and I think it was about ten years ago we were um, over there in their summer, so our winter. And it's a long way from anywhere. They say it's a bit like an island surrounded by green because it's right in the middle of South America. So you feel very, very cut off. And we were there for about five weeks and intensely hot, probably like Texas at the moment, that at night you go out um, at midnight and it'd be so hot you had to come back into the air conditioning, which is a rather unusual experience for somebody who, like me, lives in, in England, albeit at the moment it's pretty hot and sunny. And I, I started exploring um, near-death experiences after watching um, a Matt Damon film called Hereafter that had people like Elizabeth Cougar-Ross in it. And from that, I then got onto your uh, program because I Googled something off that. And, and what came up was some fascinating discussions um, on, on your program that led me into uh, Unity Church and New Thought and so on. And that then led me on to exploring people like uh, Dr. Irvin uh, uh, Laszlo, who I know you've had on your show, people like Tim Freak, um, Ken Wilbur, uh, Otto Sharma from MIT. And, and so I started to incorporate the lessons of um, uh, awareness and consciousness and awakening in my own leadership practice. And it was about three years ago that suddenly myself and my team, we started to look around at what we created because I think we sort of unconsciously had incorporated these lessons in our own practice. And I remember going through, um, you know, what we'd achieved in the year to date. And we'd, we sort of accumulated about 50 different fairly major radical um, changes, but it didn't really feel like we'd been putting a great deal of effort in because we sort of hit this kind of cruising altitude as if we were flying along with the jet stream, as it were. And it was then that I realized, actually, I've got to codify this because something really magical was happening. So I, I basically started to think about all of the different aspects that were feeding in. I, th- I think I, I scribbled each one on a post-it pad and I had about 75, 80 or so. Um, and then I was like, okay, so I've got a scattering of things we're doing and things that are coming through and ways that we're manifesting. And so I started to kind of um, try not to think too much about it. I just absorbed these different aspects and, and patterns began to emerge. And they fell into eight different dimensions, which, which are the foundational dimensions of the book, which I've described as this sort of a code to get from here to there. Because, as you say, um, I mean, what I love about unity and the things that you um, bring forth to your, to your listeners is it's an immensely practical way of bringing truth into the world. And so this code, the eight different dimensions, are a way in which you can pragmatically shift from the world of regular management and leadership techniques, which, um, you know, the, the, the different levels that I talk about in the book, the first one is transactional leadership, which is really just about administration, the sort of boring nuts and bolts um, policies and so on, um, through to transformational leadership, which are the only two levels really in the literature. And then I recognize that the, these eight dimensions take you into a, a whole new, very radical level, which I describe as transcendent leadership, where you're tapping into subtle energies, higher self, 
into into spirit. There's really completely different paradigm of, of leadership. But essentially, what I'm trying to do in the in the book is help the readership understand what that is, and then be able to follow these codes themselves to get from where they potentially are into this frankly magical world of where you know leadership becomes an absolute joy and energies flow through you and you're really connected to spirit so yeah i'm really excited about the whole thing and and um and a big thanks to you for, for you know all those years ago putting me onto onto that um onto that path myself well you're very kind thank you um you know, I need to point out to the to the listeners too that this isn't just about leadership. Say, if you're running a business or whatever you might be involved in 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 your own professional life, I think this book is also very effective about how to lead your own company of mind, body, and spirit in a in a in a higher direction. So all the aspects of of us, right? All all the various um, committees and networks and the, that's going on inside our inside our head most of the time, how to be effective in that regard. And also in terms of relationships, right? And how to um, maneuver through relationships in, in, in an impeccable way that serves others and ourselves. And, and this is what I love about transcendent leadership because it's, um, it transcends the ego. It's, it's, it's open-hearted, right? It's unimpeded. Um, so many uh, ways of approach, uh, especially in leadership and, and the way we deal with other people, uh, you know, are based in the sort of dualisms, right? You know, I scratch my, your back, you scratch mine, whatever, or, you know, what's in it for me? Um, whereas tra- transcendent leadership is, is larger than that, right? It's, it's uh, infinite possibility at work. And that's a whole different way of approach, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're absolutely right. I was, um, I'm, I'm lucky enough or blessed to have um, three daughters, two of whom are teenagers. Um, and my middle daughter, Sophie, who's 15, um, had a sleepover with a friend of hers who was also 15 um, at the weekend. And we got chatting. So my, my daughter, Sophie, said, could you mind telling my friend what happens to you after, after you die, which is you know, pretty, uh, pretty full on question, really, um, okay. because, you know, they're at that age where they're starting to really explore things and, and they are open to this infinite possibility that, that you describe. And as I sort of led her through various different um, ideas and, 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 um, and approaches, I did my one thing that, that I, I certainly learned myself a few years ago was Reiki. So I, I showed them how to get this, um, you know, get the the, the, the feeling of the, the flow and the, the energy in their hands and um, and so on. And, and I, I realized after I, I spoke to them for about an hour, we had a fantastic, it's, it's wonderful actually, teenagers can be very challenging, believe me, but also they can be incredibly they're really revelatory for, for adults they teach us a lot i think through their openness and their curiosity and when after after i was speaking to them i was reflecting and i realized actually i just spoken to them about the book frankly so that you know the the, the book isn't just about people in uh, who are managing or leading teams or organizations it's really about um a, a journey of healing and transformation and it covers so many different areas. Um, you know, so much stuff I think bubbled up through um, through this study that I did. So, I mean, for instance, the first um, four dimensions 
are each each of the dimensions is linked to verbs. So the first dimension is knowing, then we have seeing, being, and then aligning. And those first four dimensions are essentially healing work. It's deep healing work when we we move beyond past hurts and misconceptions of self, and and we wake to that divinity within, and we get that connection from the divine within, the divine without, the divine which is 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 everywhere and in everything, and then. The second section of the book are what are called cyclical dimensions. So these are where the transformational work really happens. Um, the, the, the healing work is something which you can do and understand once, and then you don't. You, you can you come back and you touch back on them. But once those revelations have been experienced through all of our heart, mind, spirit system, you know they're with us forever. We obviously come back to them, but they're, they become that foundation. The cyclical dimensions, which are connecting, creating, doing, and resting, they're things that we, we cycle through. They're part of everyday life. You know, we cycle through these things on, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly and an annual basis. Um, and, and that's where the transformation comes in. And it's connecting with your true genius and then giving it away to the planet. And, and I think that's the, there are the two things that for me, I've really learned you have to put together. And again, that comes back to the sort of pragmatic practicality that you see in Unity Church so much. It's not just about sitting in a cave and, you know, having a beautiful transcendent, transcendent experience. That, that's part of it. So the thing that Arjuna Rada taught me through um, Awakening Coaching is around a radical awakening and really truly knowing your true nature and that's a, an absolute found, foundational element because if you don't really understand who you are i think you probably struggle as a leader to understand your place in the world but once that's in place you've got to give it away you know it, it's not I, I honestly don't believe that our place on this planet is sitting in a cave or spending our time in meditation i mean we've got plenty of time for that when we go we pass over to the other side as it were i think i recognize this having once um spent probably too much time in meditation and i suddenly realized hey i i've got i've got a wife i've got kids i've got, I've got a job i've got to get onto those things so i you know it's about bringing it back into balance i think Right, and I, and I totally agree with you there. And, and and sometimes it's easy, isn't it, to bliss out when there's no pressures around us. You know, we're, we're in an idyllic setting or whatever. Um, we don't have to do any particular work. And uh, we feel like, hey, I, I've reached the ultimate. You know, I'm enlightened. But then you have to come down the mountain, um, you know, and, and deal with life. As you uh, name-checked in the book, uh, thank you for that. You uh, name-checked name me a couple of times. But one was the the famous Jack Cornfield quote, you know, after the ecstasy, the laundry. And I love that quote. And, the, and I guess I do quote it a lot because I do love it. But it's so <laughs> it's so, uh, you know, it's so relevant to everyday life. You know, it's 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 uh, that's that's where the real testing comes, you know, is how, how do we do the laundry? How, how do we do the things we don't necessarily want to do? But but we, uh, if we don't, you know, our life's a mess. So. There, there is an impeccable way to do the laundry, and but you, but it, it, it's a, it's a bit of a trick, isn't it? It's, it, it can be a chore, or, or it, can, it can be uh, something um, illuminating. 
you have a great story. You, you talk about a woman who's um, going to have a boss, I think, that she doesn't like in some way. And um, she's got a lot of anger and resentment towards her and not sure she could work with her. And, and I think you guide, you guide her using um, some of Arjuna's techniques there of looking at oneself, awakening to the fact that, you know, who's really seeing this? Who is responding with anger or resentment? And and who is the real person beyond that that is just being, uh, is, that is just free, that, that it is? And uh, she has a revelation, doesn't she? She is able to see another dimension of herself. You know, um, she begins to know something about herself that was always there, but she hadn't maybe recognized it as such. And then you ask her to go back to the problem and, and basically the problem would dissolve because when she reached that level of spirit, um, all the other things fell away because they were to do with her ego response. And she was no longer identifying with herself simply as an ego, but, but now she'd reached the level of witnessing, you know, from spirit. And, and that's a very freeing place. Then you can really do the laundry with a smile on your face, right? <laughs> well, um, laundry is a bit of a, 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 a sticky point for us at the moment because our washing machine has got, I think it's got a, a face mask stuck in the filter. So um, oh, no. we have oh, no. all over the place here. So <laughs> believe me, I'm, I'm definitely uh, doing the laundry at the moment. Um, you, you, you're point, right. What, yeah. I mean, thank goodness for this phrase, which I actually don't like about mindfulness. I, I, I'm not a keen advocate of um the, the, the phrase mindfulness, because a lot of the time, actually, mindfulness practices are about getting away from the mind and getting away from the churning of thought and bringing yourself to presence. So I think it's a slightly paradoxical title. But nonetheless, because it's now out there in organizational um, parlance, people talk about mindfulness quite a bit. I feel free to engage in some of those higher level awakening coaching methodologies that may have been a bit close to me a few years ago and actually this really does show the shift of I think um, organizational consciousness into a it, I think the big you know the, the, the wave the movement is certainly shifting um, upwards and so I felt able when this particular person was grumbling about this new boss to invite her to do a mindfulness exercise which was actually a form of what what uh, Arjuna Arda calls radical awakening. So I got her into a place where she was able to get into that pure witness state. So she was able to, rather than identify with the small I, the small self, she was in a place where she was the witness, the sub pure subjectivity which is a pretty high state. In fact, it's the highest state that you can uh, you, you, you can get into when you you identify with the me that can't be seen anymore. It's pure consciousness. It, it's effectively nothingness, which is why you can't see it. You cannot make that state into an object that you can see. And from that place, I then repeated back to her the things that she'd been talking about from the egoic state, the small mind, the small self. And when I repeated those statements back, she burst out laughing because to the pure witness that isn't identified with a thing called ego, those statements become absolutely ridiculous. And then when we came back into 
you know, awaken, uh, you know, the, the pure awake state, um, you know, sort of beta um, brainwaves, as it were, having a chat about it, she reflected back on this incredible experience. And she and, and I, I again asked her back in the regular mindset, well, how do you feel about it now? She said, it's just gone. It was just silly, wasn't it? <laughs> and it's astonishing, actually, just the power of these techniques that are out there in in the world which which, which you're in that, that people on your show talk about and you combine those back into the world of the organization and i think it becomes quite an, an incredibly powerful combination and the the mission i see for myself here is you know all all teams all organizations whether they're in the field of culture sport business um, charity, international organizations, or even the household relationships. You know, there, there's, there, there are leadership techniques involved in all of them. So if you think, if we're able to in some way shift the consciousness of people in leadership roles, and or anybody for that matter, you know, how much would that shift on those organizations in terms of their own consciousness, what they're trying to do? and their own connection with, with, with everybody and everything. So there, there are immense possibilities here, I think. Yeah, and when, once you know, it's just the beginning, isn't it? It's not the end of anything. You know, sometimes we think, well, now I know the truth. But then you have to go all through the, the other dimensions. And, and the second one is, is seeing, right? I, I, I can see clearly because I, I, I begin to know who I am. I can see in a way I couldn't possibly see before because it was clouded with, um, you know, with, with the filters of ego and, and desires and whatnot. Um, and so when you when you can see a little more clearly, then you can determine, well, what, what is mine to do? You know, and you you talk about what is your greatest longing, right? What 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 is being revealed to you about your mission in life um, and how you can be most effective? I know in my own life, there's been times when. You know, I've asked that question and, and um, really at depth uh, and, and it's led me to an ama amazing places. Uh, and then, the, you know, you, you begin to embody that for a long time. And then the next stage comes and you have to look again, you know, from what I know about the truth of me, you know, what is mine to do right now? You know, what is my, my longing? Um, I retired a few years ago from church ministry, but then I, you know, morphed into a, a, a writer and, and my, my first book's coming out the end of this year, and I'm excited about that. But there's really? an example, I think, of, of, of seeing a new way of looking, right, of, of what is mine to do. You talk about the north, um, the, the compass, right? The, the, the uh, what's the word? Yeah, uh, true the, north the, markers, true north markers, and, and which, right. which are related to compass questions. Yeah, again, I was, I was thinking about the, how how do things make you feel? Do they make you feel expansive and, and, and you feel growth um, opportunities or do they make you contract? And I used to be, for my sins, a head of planning and performance management for a, um, a, a London uh, mental health organisation. And I used to be the guy that sets what we call things like stretch targets and so on. And quite amazingly, I, I spent a couple of years in, in an office sitting next to the chap who is in charge of, um, or he's head of um, performance improvement and modernization. And I remember his words to me as clear as day. This is probably 20 odd years ago. He said, Richard, I'm going to bring you in from the dark side. And, and that's the kind of thing 
It sounds a bit sort of a Star Wars-esque, doesn't it? Um, that's the sort of thing that you never forget. And, and what he meant was rather than firing stretch targets at people, which make people feel contracted and it's coming from somebody else, they don't have ownership over it, he wanted to bring me into the world of um, you know, e expansive possibility. And he absolutely successfully did. I was still doing it, I think, through um, through regular, you know, the, the, the two levels of uh, leadership practice. Um, so sort of um, transformational leadership rather than transcendent leadership at that time. But when I started to connect that approach, the modernization and the improvement approach with the world of spirit, that's when the magic started to happen. So there are two questions. What's your greatest longing and also and what's your longest reach and that second one that's such a powerful question and when i first heard it boy that just that knocked me for six and i i suggest to all the your your listeners to just ask that question for themselves and see what what comes up and for me it, it led to all sorts of things like buying some uh, land in, in, in south america and, and starting a little reforestation project things that because it, it was beyond what I thought I could reach. And then I realized, actually, it is within my reach. And so it, it pushes you to the outermost limits of what could potentially come through. And, and even then, you know, we're still not, I, I know for me, I've still got a way to go because I'm sure my, my, my small ego is still holding me back somewhat. But, it, but these are brilliant um, questions. And then linked to those are the compass questions and true north markers. So a true north mark is really something you can write down for yourself. What If you had a, a signpost pointing north to, to, to the place that you really want, to, the things that are most important to you, what would you write on there? And then the compass questions are things that you can ask yourself just to bring yourself back to that at that point in north when you're potentially going a little bit off, off, off the path. So there's some really powerful stuff there. Absolutely. And, and the next one is, is being and then aligning. So the, each one is a sort of a step, you know, building on each other, if you like, right? So I love the being one because when, when we can truly be ourselves and, and be in the flow, then we become a loving being, right? And I think then we begin to um, activate love. And you know, we don't often use uh, the word love in a corporate setting, but really transcendent leadership is is about loving, right? Loving the team, loving the uh, the, the service that you're doing. What what was the three part um, uh, watchword that you had in one in one of your um, your teams? It was be. Oh God! Uh, yeah. So, so this is something which came through um, a practice that I've got in the book called downloading. Um, it, it's where you get really stuck on something, but you you, you know where where you want to get to, but you don't know the answer. So, it was. Um, uh, well, hold that thought. Hold that thought. Yeah. I, I'm hearing the music, which means it's it's halfway through. So let's take a break. Okay. Listen to these messages from Unity, and then we'll come right back. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. We now return to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. All right, welcome back to today's show. I'm with Richard C. Anderson. 
and he's written a wonderful book called Transcendent Leadership, The Eight Dimensions of Awakened Leadership Practice. And by the way, he knocked something for six. If you're not, not a non-British person, you might not know what that means, but it means hitting it out of the ballpark would be the American version. Um, in other words, a real success. Uh, but we were talking about uh, some key elements of being and embodying love. It, and and uh, tell us the, the the three little watchwords that you used uh, in, in one of your uh, workspaces, because I thought they were very powerful. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, this this came from a, a book I read by uh, Kathy Eisenhart called Three Simple Rules. And she's, she's a business uh, professor at Harvard. And she noticed that organizations, particularly global organizations, were simplifying their strategy because she said, what's the point of a strategy if nobody knows what's in it? Because strategies are normally the really long documents that are kept in the CEO's office that nobody ever reads. And so organizations are coming around to really simplifying stuff and, and, and typically having just three or four rules that run everything around the, the, the planet where in these huge organizations, I thought it, it really resonated with me. And I thought I'd love to have that for my team. And I went into, I guess, um, you know, uh, the hard thinking mode. So, you know, alpha brainwaves or sort of beta brainwaves and so on. And, and it just wasn't coming. So I kind of developed this practice that's in the book called uh, downloading where you, you ask the question, in my case, what are the three simple rules? And you just let it, you imagine it's floating up into, into above your head, into space, into, into spirit. And I've done this on at least half a dozen different occasions. Um, and whenever it happens, the, the download, which is kind of like a packet of information, comes back to me, often when I'm not least expecting it, it's um, it, it's kind of what I call exogenous. I it's outside myself, and it, it, it comes in. It hits my consciousness all at once. And these three uh, principles or rules came to me, to, and they're typically always two weeks after I ask the question. So you've got to be a bit patient. They came to me in one flash, and it's eight words, three rules that have run my service in the public sector for about four years, and they are this. Be the person, be the service, be happy. So this means to be the person to fully um, empathize with the person you're treating. So with the patients and people we're treating, see the world through their eyes, um, see what they want for their life rather than us doing things to them in a hierarchical way. Secondly, be the service. So the people in the organization are the service, are the body of the service, the organization, and the service is the people. It's a bit like in, in our body, we've got seven trillion cells and the DNA of the entire bodily system is contained within each of those cells. So the body is, is what we call holarchic in nature. It's like a tree in a seed and a seed in a tree. So be the person, be the service. And lastly, be happy, which doesn't necessarily mean sort of skipping off down the corridor on a, a drizzly Monday morning, but it means to be joyful and satisfied and connected with the work that you do. Um, and... And when those three things come into alignment, that's when real magic happens. And it's so simple. I love simplicity when it's connected to something more profound and, and, and bigger than, the, you know, not simplicity for simplicity's sake, but when it's connected to true meaning. Eight words, that's it. And it's pretty much run our service for four or five years. 
know, so often we want to control everything and uh, make it happen, right? Fix it, whatever. Control other people, you know, make the organization the perfect organization. But from where? From our own maybe egoic perspective. And and even if we're an enlightened leader, you know, we when we have the, the, the best for everyone and it's it can still devolve into over much control. You you talk about conscious surrender. It's it's really hard sometimes to surrender to this, but when you realize the true creativity, like you you invoked there and allowed to come through you, the true creativity comes when we let go, right? When we do surrender and uh, and allow allow these amazing energies to flow to flow through us then then we could be you know altruistic and kind in in a very constructive way in in a way that nurtures us as well as the patient in this case the the, the person involved um the client whatever um and and uh, and i love the idea of be happy one, one of the 59 uh mind um training slogans of tibetan buddhism uh, is always be uh, grateful and uh, and you know Saint Paul said always be joyful you know in everything give thanks and I, I think these are these are great uh, words of wisdom because it's it's not about sugarcoating everything like you said you know dancing around like a hyena laughing our heads off um, but it's it's always having that that attitude that everything's possible you know and I am grateful for that and I'm living from that context. When we do that, of course, the the universe is reciprocal, right? And you have you mentioned that in the book, you know, go go around being miserable to everybody all day and see the results, <laughs> and then go around being cheerful and and notice the the results from that. And and unfailingly, you know, you got your day's going to be much better if you if you carry around an a, an optimistic, expansive attitude rather than a mean spirited one. Yeah, you know, it's astonishing that they don't teach this in business school. Uh, really? Because it's such a powerful facet of humanity. If, if you're in your office and somebody comes in uh, who's who's miserable, who's down, who's grumbly, you can feel yourself contracting, you can feel the energy. And the opposite happens when somebody comes in who's in an expansive mindset. Um, and, and it makes you feel incredible. And I, I heard, you know, a very good example of this, of an analogy is um, resonance. If you have a tuning fork and you hit it by a guitar string, um, if the tuning fork is in G, the guitar string will begin to resonate um, to the same note in G. And we can bring that into our own practice through a thing that I call resonant transmission. So when we create the conditions to open our heart, open our minds, get out of the way through surrender, then happiness comes through. It's, you know, I mean, currently it's quite unusual here in, in the southwest of England because I'm looking out the window of blue sky. But, um, you know, cloud isn't, cloud and blue sky aren't the opposite of each other. Blue sky is literally just the absence of cloud. And in the same way, you know, happiness and unhappiness aren't really opposites per se. I think our natural state is happiness. And all of those things that prevent that happiness coming through the natural state are a bit like the cloud. And when we strip those things away, we then come to true presence. And it's at that point that practitioners, I mean, I work with, with, with medics, with social workers, with nurses, therapists, 
And what I say to them in terms of this happiness is, I want you to connect with and be that person that you, you, you dreamt about. When you were a teenager at school and you dreamt about being a nurse or a doctor, I want that thing you dreamt about to be real in your, in, 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 in your day-to-day experience. And it's almost like, I mean, who needs me to give them permission to do that? But when you do and you resonate that, it's incredible how people begin to really flourish. And it, you know, it's, it's getting, it's, it's a three-stage process. I think people in their unconscious state are in an unconscious surrender state. So they're just going about their daily business, not really particularly thinking about what they're doing or their place in the planet, what their mission is. Often then people come to a revelation which puts them into consciousness, but it's conscious control. So they realize that actually, hey, I can be the master of my own destiny here, really. You know, I, I, I could... I could control things, thoughts, feelings, outcomes. And, and that's quite a powerful way of being. And, and actually, it really does, you know, have an impact on people around them. But if we get stuck in conscious control, I think sometimes it's our ego can then be a bit of a blockage to spirit flowing through our practice, through our leadership, through whatever it is that we're doing, you know, our, our work in, in the church or in our own family. And so the third stage I talk about is conscious surrender, where we we decide to move beyond the paradigm of placing ourselves in the supposedly all-powerful centre of our own story, because often that leads to disappointment, I have to say. And we recognise there's something outside us that can transcend us. And then when we open to that, which is, you know, God, the cosmos, spirit, um, divinity, then that divine force works through us as individuals and through through the collective body of the organization and the teams around us. And that's where the you know absolute magic happens. Um, when, when we when we get that ego out of the way, which I'm constantly telling myself to do. <laughs> because you know the ego will always pop back in. I'm not one of these people that believes that we we can and should try to totally transcend the ego if if I mean, if you've met someone that's that's managed to do that, I'd love to meet them. I, I certainly haven't, and I certainly haven't managed it myself. Well, and, and you know, we need to do a shout out for the little old ego too, you know, because sometimes it's seen as the another name for the devil, right? We we don't use the devil; we were substituted for ego. There's really nothing wrong with your ego. Your ego is something that helps you maneuver around. Um, it's it's a provisional thing. It's a, a sense of self. Um, it could be useful for you, um, but it, it, it's a terrible master, of course. Um, and uh, and when we see it as the essence of who we are, then we're in a lot of trouble. But uh, but I, I think if we see it as just another part of you know who we are, this complex being that uh, is uh, body, mind, spirit, then you know the ego is is okay. But uh, you know we so often we we allow it to to rule our our being and I, and I wanted to go into that a little bit because some people may be listening and say this is fantastic I love this stuff but it sounds too Pollyanna for me it's surely it's the, you know life is not this easy you know we've just been right in the middle of uh, a pandemic uh, the, we look around our world all the craziness that's happening the terror the uh, the destruction you know climate change etc there's, there's so many uh, things that, that are affecting humanity right now, both in a macro and a micro level. 
Uh, and so, you know, the, not to mention the inbuilt part of our beings that wants to sabotage or resist this wonderful thing that we're talking about. So, um, you know, how, how do we deal with that? Because uh, it's going to come up. But I, and you have some chapters in the book where you do talk about, you know, the, the, the tendency to, to resist and to, to self-sabotage, even our best endeavors. So that, that's a tough one. So how do we approach that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd love to be accused of um, being a bit Pollyanna, um, and, and, I'd, and my ego would love to throw back the things I, I, I tackle it every day. Uh, you know, living with with COVID in the community, and um, you know, overcoming that. I, I, I oversee thirty care homes as well as my own teams, and um, you know, with, with when we're at the height of COVID, the, the, you know, believe me, that was not an easy place in which to be managing. Nonetheless, right. even when we're presented with the most difficult situations that are literally life and death, you know, you, you have a choice. You can either give into it and become, you know, miserable, um, uh, you know, leader that brings everybody down around you, or you can say, well, what am I serving? And, and for me, I believe that I'm a, an eternal spiritual being having uh, an experience in human form here on planet Earth. And I therefore have to serve that. I, I, I feel that, you know, within that it's around learning. It's around giving of love, giving compassion, establishing what my mission is and then giving that away, giving my gifts away. And that's a much better reaction, I would have thought, in the face of great difficulty than just giving into it and saying, you know, I mustn't still think about my longest reach um, and, and, and my highest good. And so, I mean, I can bring it back to, to the pragmatics of when you're faced with getting stuck in that sort of position um, and, and, and getting that resistance. I think one of the greatest techniques uh, is is literally just beginning on the on the journey. So I've got a great example of a friend of mine uh, who lives in central London. Who he's called Howard, and and he uh, he, he goes to the gym. He's about ten minutes uh, fast walk away from his uh, apartment, and he often has this resistance to going to the gym because. We're not one person. We're conflicted inside. There are some parts of us that want to do something, other parts want to do something else. So what he does is he he doesn't say, I'm going to go to the gym and do an hour's workout. He says to himself, I'm going to get outside my front door and walk towards the gym. And that's it. That's it. Very easy. First steps. Now, when you're outside the door walking to the gym, well, I might as well carry on going to the gym. And then when you get into the gym, I might as well do a good workout. So there, there, are, there are funny little... Um, techniques which I've got in the book which are very very grounded around just overcoming that self-sabotage that all of us have within and then bringing ourselves back to presence and back to the, the the revealing of our mission and then living that mission and giving it back out into the world yes good answers thank you and um, I've always liked our gin and our dice um, exercise when you you have a problem um, and, you know, it keeps niggling at you. And his advice was uh, instead of trying to resist it or overcome it, 
um, allow it space, you know, give it, give it as, make it as big as it can possibly be. So you've never had a problem this big and, 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 and see it expanding and expanding and expanding until eventually it's going to burst. And that's what happens, you know, when you see your problems overwhelming you, it becomes a, a, it's so ridiculous that like that lady that you referenced earlier, you know, you laugh at it because you think I'm creating all this. It's not true at all, but um, it, it, it seems so large and, and overwhelming, but is it? And, uh, and I've always loved that, you know, and the Tao Te Ching talks about that. If you want to shrink something, first allow it to expand. And uh, it's the same idea, right? Um, so rather than try and hold it back or, you know, just see it for what it is. Let, let all see it as the largest thing in the world, you know, examine every inch of it and, and um, allow it to be the, uh, the paper tiger that it, that it truly is. And, you know, let, let it just explode and dissolve and disappear. And I've always yeah. found that very helpful in my life. I, I once worked in uh, child and adolescent mental health services and uh, there was a psychiatrist and I asked her how long she'd worked with a, a child she was telling me about. She said, oh, he's doing really well. He's um, he's 15 now. He's making a lot of progress. And I said, when did you start working with him? Oh, when he was five. There were 10 years. And, and, and actually, when you questioned her, he hadn't made an awful lot of progress. The, 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 often those um, traditional techniques are trying to resolve problems. And what mm -hmm. the, this type of technique talks about is dissolving the problems um, through through those kind of techniques and overcoming the you see the the ego is always wanting to bring mental pain or physical pain um, trying to push it away um, you say you know so I mean I have some slightly dodgy shoulder joints and I get a lot of pain and um, I, I my ego says push the pain away don't think about the pain don't think about the pain actually the way to dissolve the connection is to just think about the pain and and I, I imagine that my mind is fully within the shoulder and fully within the pain and I build it up and build it up and don't allow myself to think about anything other than the pain and what happens is the, it completely befuddles the ego so the ego um, you know you're, you're doing the thing that it, it most doesn't expect to be done and then it gets completely bored and you can only do that for about five minutes and then you find it, it's gone. I can't find it anymore. It's just disappeared. <laughs> it's a fabulous technique and you can use it in, uh, in all sorts of um, uh, applications. And we must point out here, of course, that we're, we're not saying that this substitutes for uh, medical help or therapy when that is absolutely necessary because uh, somebody that's, say, suicidal, you know, uh, expanding their problems is probably not going to help them they, they need other therapy um this the, these techniques when we when we're relatively healthy minded um to look at ourselves a little more deeply and and so um the, you know we're, we're not trying to say these substitute for um you know so the work of professionals who, who know exactly what they're they're doing to help others but but it, it can be effective um so it's just a proviso there because i think um you know, it's important to state because we're not standing in the place of we're, we're offering um, uh, techniques, tools that, that can work if we are um, relatively, um, what's the word, I guess, balanced. Yes. Um, able to deal with these things, able to look. Um, but, but if you're overwhelmed, then, you know, you may need professional help. 
Yeah, I, I, I'd absolutely enough. concur with that. And especially I've been under the knife uh, seven times for my uh, shoulders. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not saying that one replaces the other whatsoever. That these, these are useful techniques that you can use um, in order to, you know, tr transcend the everyday um, and, and, and connect with spirits and, and let that flow of abundance come through. You, talking about abundance, uh, one of the chapters, uh, one of the dimensions is on manifesting, and uh, you you were quite impressive there. All the all the things that uh, you were able to manifest in your life in terms of abundance, and the way you you shifted this attitudes around money and uh, the flow, um, you know, from uh, something that's there was less than optimum to uh, amazing things happening for you, and also the ability to then to uh, to be helpful, right? To buy land in um, Paraguay and um, dedicate it to reforestation and etc. Um, and and uh, how that was a joy. And uh, I, I thought, you know, that's a wonderful example of how things unfold when we're in the in this transcendent place, right? We're we're allowing energies to come to us and through us that we couldn't have imagined and we, we couldn't control ourselves. That, that's been my experience. Um, you know, I grew up in a, in a small house in, in, in Wales in a working class family, uh, you know, and, and now I live in a rather nice place in, in uh, the USA. I could never have guessed that or, or uh, you know, uh, controlled that it, it's it's total uh, the, the work of spirit moving in and through me. I cooperated with it, yes, and um, and did my part. But uh, you know, I, I still shake my head sometimes and think, really, that's that's amazing how that unfolded. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, in my own life, I'm just as, uh, when I stop and and become aware of of the abundance that I have in my life. Um, I, I'm, I'm utterly astonished by it and also incredibly and infinitely grateful. And I think, again, it's around getting out of the way. And some people feel that it's not their birthright to have abundance in their life. And we're not just talking about money. We're talking about everything here, about the connections we have, the people that we love, the things that are asked to do. But I would just say to people, you know, would you be more effective or less effective in your walk on this planet if you had abundance or had lack? And I don't know of anybody that's, that, that would say the, that choose the lack. And so if, if, if your inheritance, your good is the thing that you are, you know, you are perfectly designed to produce this good in your life. And that's your that's your birthright. And it already belongs to you. Abundance already belongs to you. And so, Absolutely. you know, take the handbrake off, let, let it flow. We're, we're definitely not tooting our horn here just for fun. We're, we're, dem we're, we're sharing it because it's, it, it's worked for us, you know, the ap practical application of these principles that we're talking about. And, and it, it's not just for us. It can work for everybody. So we're, we're, all, we're in, in inviting you to claim your good is, I think, what, uh, what we're talking about. Okay, we're almost at the end of the show. Uh, the eighth dimension is is in good company. It's called resting. On on the seventh day, you know, uh, God rested, and um, uh, Covey in his wonderful book, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, uh, his last uh, habit was the seven was sharpen the saw, which was again a form of resting. You know, if you want to do the work, there comes a time of stopping, sharpening your saw, saw re restoring yourself so that you're 
you're able to to take a load off, right? That's that's important. Yeah, if if you just keep in the um, in in the cyclical um, doing manifesting um, uh, part of the code, you will just burn out. And so it's absolutely important to open to stillness and open to presence. And that gives you the energy for this flow, this circular flow of, of, of divine energy to, um, to, to bring life to whatever you're doing. Let me uh, tell uh, everyone about next week's show, and then we'll have about a minute left for the final words of wisdom from Richard Anderson. He's going to give us something that we can take with us into our week. Next week, another person from Devon in England joins me, Angela Garner, and she's going to talk about preparing for the transition of your beloved pet. She's an animal bereavement specialist and uh, has written a book about that subject, um, when it's time to say goodbye. And I know many of us are very close to our pets, um, and that can be a huge transition for us. So. I think we'll we'll find something meaningful in next week's show with with Angela Carter. Join join me then for that. But right now, Richard, t- tell us a little bit uh, that can help us get through this uh, this next week and then bring some uh, you know joy into our lives. Sure. Well, just thank you once again for uh, letting me speak to you because it's always a, a, re- a real pleasure and um, and a privilege. Um, I just say uh, it, this book isn't just for leaders. Um, or we, I think we're all leaders. My my seven year old leads me. She leads her friends. Um, <laughs> and and so I think the revelation in, in the book is 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 for us all at any time, frankly. And 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 within this is a, a code in which we can just give back out to the planet and. That's just a wonderful thing to do. Yes, absolutely. And get hold of this book, folks. Once again, it's called Transcendent Leadership, The Eight Dimensions of Awakened Leadership Practice. Richard C. Anderson. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Richard. What a great show. Thank you, Paul. And have a good, have a good week, folks. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash IMDivine2022. 